Let's try this again. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Nicely done, and welcome everybody joining us online or on demand or whenever. We're glad you're here for our night of Christmas. My name's Matt Roden. I'm one of the pastors here at this great place that we call Santa Cruz Bible Church. We're so glad you could be with us. I hope you're enjoying the Christmas season. Uh, there's a lot going on. Uh, I know that Santa is not the only one who's making a list and checking it twice right now, because this is a... Uh, this is Christmas party week and a lot of that going on right now, uh, or maybe you're packing because you're going to be traveling soon, or uh, like me, tracking Amazon packages. That's always fun. <laughs> Did we send it to the right house? Did we send it to the right state? You know, those fun questions. And most often, no. Uh, so um, the Hallmark movies that are just so unpredictable, you're on the edge of your seat <laughs> trying to figure out what's going to happen. The hot chocolate, the cookies, the cake, the putting on a little weight, you know, that's all part of the holiday magic, you know, that we're all kind of involved in right now. And one of the things I like to do every year around this time is, um, I love this, kind of right around the, the, the top of the season, they'll report kind of what the hot toy of the year is going to be. And when my kids were younger, this was super helpful information because I would steer them away from those toys, right? You don't want a Furby, that's dumb. You don't want a Razor scooter or Hatchimal or whatever, you know, just like whatever that is, okay, great. That's what they can, like, we gotta steer them away from that. You know, we gotta tell them a weird story or something. We gotta, we don't wanna be hunting that thing down, right? And what's interesting is, do you know what the hot toys are this year? Have you guys heard about this? Okay, this is crazy because you're all familiar with this, okay? So for, for this year, 2023, for boys, it's Legos, okay? Legos, right? And, and we, all, <laughs> we all know Legos. Everybody is cussed stepping on a Lego, right? I'm not sure, but I think in the Bible it says somewhere that you get a pass if you step on a Lego, uh, uh, you know, whatever. Anyway, so, but for girls, it's Barbie this year. Remember Barbie? Like, yeah, I mean, the movie has caused a lot of new interest in a very classic toy. Now, here's what's crazy about this. Nothing new about Legos and Barbie. We've all been here. Like, we know this. There's nothing new about this. This is very familiar. This is gifts that their parents got. This is, you know, they've been around forever. I mean, actually, true story, Barbie was one of the hot toys of Christmas in the 1950s, okay? And then Legos were the hot toy of, of the 1980s. So they've been around a while, right? So, but what's happened is we're all familiar with these toys, but younger generations have rediscovered them. And they have found something fresh and new in something very old and familiar to the rest of us. And that kind of inspired me a little bit because that's kind of my goal tonight is to help us rediscover something fresh and new in something old and familiar because I kind of think we think of the Christmas story a little bit like Legos and Barbie. Like, yeah, I've heard it. Done that, been there, we all know, right? We've all heard it a thousand times. Every year, right, Linus comes out with his little blanket, <laughs> reminds us what Christmas is all about, you know? And even though all the movies tell us it's about friends or family or love or whatever that is, we all know what the first six letters of Christmas is, right? We know it's Christ, we, we get it, you know, it's okay. It's about Jesus, you know, Christmas, Christ mask, celebration of Christ, it's literally what the word is, right? We know what that's about, but... As for that story about the baby and the manger and shepherds, and there's like a lot of animals in this story. There really isn't that many in the Bible, but for some reason when we tell it, there's just tons of animals everywhere. Like it was just crazy. But um, 
We're familiar with the story, but my goal is to help us rediscover something fresh and new tonight in a story that's kind of familiar. And more than that, let's be honest. We need to find something real tonight that will make a very real difference in our lives because I don't know about you, but I know 2023 has been a rough year for a lot of people. It's kind of been this thing after, you know, that fun of COVID, right? That was a good time and everybody loved that, big party. And after that, it's just not, it, it, I feel like 2021 was kind of, uh, like 2022 was kind of, uh, yeah, you know, and 2020, we're, we're, we're trying to get back, right? We're trying to get that feeling again, but it, it's been a rough year. And a lot of people need some hope right now. A lot of people need some encouragement. They need something real. And what I want to do is find that. So here's what we're going to do. In case you're not familiar with this story, I'm going to tell you the main, main part. Okay, so the whole Christmas story, if you ever want to look it up, it's in Luke 2. It's not all in there, but the main part of the story is in Luke 2. And I'm going to boil it down to really the seven verses that are basically the whole crux of the Christmas story. There's a lot of other stories and things that kind of go in with it, but this is the main, main part. So look with me and our teen, our youth read, by, by the way, our youth did a great job. Let's give them a hand. They already, they read this and it's a lot of words that are really hard to pronounce. So it's no joke to read that in front of people. It's hard to do. So let's, we're going to revisit this Luke two, uh, verse one. And here we go. It says at that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. And this was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Okay, let's pause here for a second. Now, this is the beginning of what they call the greatest story ever told. It is an unusual start because most great stories start with something like once upon a time in a land far away or something like that, right? Most stories don't start with a government census and then transition to a teen pregnancy situation like just off the bat, right? It's unusual. It's a little weird when people read it. Again, it's, it's, it's always funny to me because I'm so used to hearing it. But the first time people hear it, it's, it's a little like, a census? That's how we started it? A census? And then, and, then, and then what's the deal with the girl who's engaged and pregnant? Like, what's happening, right? Now, the census, just so you understand, was a reference that people back then at the time of the writing 2,000 years ago would understand. They remember this, they remember this moment in history. They were there. So it gave everybody a time frame. To us... It just dates this event somewhere between four and three BC. Now I know some of you think the birth of Jesus was zero AD. That is a whole other story and a whole bunch of Google trails that you can go on at some time, but I do not have time to cover that. But no, that's not the case, right? It was actually three to four BC. Um, this type of census was weird because you had to travel to certain places to register. It's not like the census we have now where is it every you know, 10 years or whatever, they send the thing to your house, you send it back. You don't have to go anywhere. Well, here you had to go to certain places. Mary and Joseph had to travel 90 miles to register and they didn't have cars, you know, there's nothing going on. So they're walking, they're, you know, they're riding horses, donkeys, whatever you had. They had to get there somehow 90 miles. And I don't know if you caught this, but they're engaged, she's already pregnant. 
right? Scandal, right? What happened? I mean, this is what's so funny. We, we talked about this. Scott talked about this uh, really great last Sunday. If you missed last Sunday's message, please check it out. But I'm going to sum this up really fast. An angel visits Mary and tells her, okay, you are still a virgin, but you are going to have a baby. God's giving you a baby, and it's going to be the son of God. Wow, right? Then that angel visits Joseph, because I feel like the fiance is going to need the, the visit from the angel, maybe more than Mary will, right? To be like, this is happening, just so you understand, this is something God is doing, right? He's going to conceive a baby through a virgin. And, and the angel literally tells, tells him, do not leave her. Stay with her because you're going to be tempted to because there's shame in this culture about this and stuff. You're going to be tempted to leave her. Do not leave her side. And so there's this whole thing. So they're navigating, I guess, the emotions of an unprecedented, you know, virgin pregnancy going on, which is pretty stressful. But now on top of all that, they have to travel right near her due date for a census. So what they're hoping is, let's just get here Let's get registered and let's get back home. There's a lot going on, but while they're far away from home, as it always goes, right? Something happens. And this is what happens, verse six. While they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, there's a lot in those verses, so let's unpack a bit here. Let's really think about this. There's an inn, there's no rooms. Why is there no rooms? There's a census going on, right? Everybody's booking the rooms. And here's the thing. They probably had to travel slow because Mary's pregnant. So they couldn't book ahead, you know, on Travelocity or whatever and get the best rooms and rates, okay? They had to get there when they got there. And when they got there, there's no room. And what I love about this is there's not even an innkeeper in, the, in this. But every time I've ever seen this portrayed, the innkeeper is like this villainous character, right? And he's like twirling his mustache. He's like, ha, ha, and he's like laughing at him like the penguin or something. And he's like, I'm gonna stick you in a bar. And, and I don't really think that's what happened. I think the guy felt bad for them. He's like, I've got no room. And he gave them shelter somewhere. Just go, well, we have a horse barn. I hope that's okay for you and your pregnant fiance, which that's a whole thing I won't get into, Right? So this is what happened, right? This is kind of crazy. And so um, the shelter was a barn. Now, if you're Joseph, you got to be thinking, okay, you got to walk around, animals all in the stalls. It's dark. It smells like, you know, animals and stuff. It's, it's gross. And you, if you're Joseph, you're thinking, surely we're not going to have this baby here. Surely we're going to get registered, get home. This is not, this is not great. And sure enough, it happens, right? It happens. And the, I was just laying on the dirt. Mary, who's probably 16, 17 years old. We don't really know, but somewhere around that age. She's gripping hay, having a baby on the floor, on the dirt floor of a cold barn. And the baby is then placed in a manger, which... We don't know what a manger is when we were young, so we thought that was something cool. It's a feeding trial for horses. But I guess that you can't rhyme that away in a you know, feeding trial. You know, does it sound as good? I get it. <laughs> She's in a, a feeding trial, and they didn't even have a blanket. 
So they ran and they found strips of cloth. So this is a baby in a used feeding trowel, not sanitized, just barely covered with whatever patchwork we could find. And, and I want you to understand this. We are so used to hearing this story. You do not, we forget how shocking this was. And even to hear this story back then, it was shocking. We've talked about this in recent weeks, but I'll just kind of revisit this for just two seconds here. What was going on was at this point, Israel had been waiting on a savior who was gonna be a descendant of David. Now, lucky in this scenario, both Joseph and Mary were descendants of David. So that was gonna happen either way. But here's the thing. They thought the savior at that time, because sometimes we have, I don't know, God has big plans and we have very limited thinking. They thought that, oh, the savior's gonna save us from the Roman Empire, from Caesar, right? Because this, this great military leader is gonna rise up and he's gonna wage war and free the Jewish people from Roman oppression, and this is what's gonna happen. But like I said, God had bigger plans than their limited view, and that's the same is true for us. God has bigger plans than your limited view of the situation. His scope is different than our scope. And sometimes we don't see it, but he, he's working something bigger. And here's the thing, this is the case here. They're expecting a king covered in armor. This is what they're visualizing. This is what they would do. This is how they would pump themselves up in the temple in the synagogue and be like, this is gonna happen one day. We just gotta hang on. Like a king covered in armor with a sword in one hand and a scepter in the other, and he's gonna come. And he's gonna save us all. But what'd they get instead? Think about this. A baby born to a scared rural teenage couple in a horse stable in a small town. Bethlehem didn't have a traffic light kind of a town. You know what I mean? There was nothing there, no gas, there, no nothing. You drove through it and you didn't know you drove through it. Bethlehem, right? That's what was going on. It, it doesn't make any sense. They're expecting a leader wrapped in royal robes to stand in the spotlight. And what they got was a baby wrapped in shreds of cloth in the dark and in the dirt. That baby will grow up and die on a cross and defeat death. That baby will be the only hope we ever have of having a relationship with God. God provided the only way we would ever have to him. And the death and the resurrection of Jesus will finally, finally unleash hope for all of us. Hope for all of humanity, forgiveness for everything that has ever been done, redemption for everyone, for all people. What God came to do through Jesus 100% changed everything. But how God came to earth through this baby speaks volumes that I think sometimes we miss. You gotta remember, no blast of the horns, no grand ceremony, no royal announcement. If you were there, this is what you would have heard. The quiet of the night, some animals in the distance, the happy tears of a young couple, and a small cry of a baby. That was how he chose. Now think about this. In the dark, in the dirt, completely vulnerable, God came to meet us. Now what's the point of that? 
What's the point of that? Why would he do that? Why would God come in such a way that was so helpless? Well, let me put it to you this way. In the dark moments of your life, the sleepless nights you have, the tears that you have, the pain that you're going through, the helplessness that you feel sometimes, the vulnerability that you feel sometimes, I want you to understand, that is where God meets us. We have it in our head that God meets us where we want to be. Then he'll meet us. Or that God meets us when we get our act together and we get ourselves cleaned up a little bit, then we're okay. No, 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 no. God meets you right where you are. When you feel lost and when you feel afraid and when you feel helpless and when your heart is broken, God meets us right there. Life, as we are well aware, can be a dark, cold, dirty place. But I want to remind us all that that's where God begins his greatest work. And I, want, I can't drive this in enough. In the most unexpected places, through people who feel the most unworthy, this is where God does unbelievable things. Somehow in our head, we got it that God only works in clean, sanitized, sanctified places and people that just have it all together, right? And everybody's squeaky clean and shining bright, but the, no. He meets us right where we are. And then he takes us where we never thought we would be. He is not, he is not, repulsed or disgusted or put off by the deepest secrets and struggles of who we are because he already knows and he still loves you and that's never changed. That's never changed. There's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore and the good news is there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. That's who God is. He gives hope to those who feel completely hopeless he gives love to those who feel completely abandoned. He gives forgiveness to those who feel like they've completely failed. He gives joy to those who feel crushed. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture is Psalms 34, 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Where is the Lord? Where is the Lord? When we don't know where is the Lord, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So the next time you think you need to get something cleaned up or put together before you talk to God or have a relationship with him, I want you to understand he's already close to you in the midst of your pain, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the struggle. He's right there. And he begins at our hurts. And his presence is found in the pain. This is what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he said this in Romans 5. He said this, he says um, verse six, Christ arrives right on time to make this happen. He didn't and doesn't wait for us to get ready. He presented himself for this sacrificial death and we were far too weak and rebellious to do anything to get ourselves ready. And even if we hadn't been so weak, we wouldn't have known what to do anyway. We can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for. And we can understand how someone good and noble can inspire us to selfless sacrifice. But God put his love on the line for us by offering his son 
and sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. And now that we are set right with God by means of the sacrificial death, there is no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. Now I wanna read that last part again. Now I'm about to wrap it up because I know we got kids in the room and they're all like, what happened with the Barbie, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. Because of the work of the cross of Jesus, there is no question of being at odds with God in any way. So where's the question coming from? It's me because I just can't believe God can love. I can't believe God would forgive. I can't believe this. I can't, you know, but it's just true. I want you to understand God's not above you waiting on you to get it all together. He, is, he has come close to you. And he is with you in your struggles and in your hurts. And I want you to understand his love is bigger than all of your junk combined. And everybody else that hears junk combined. And, and the thing is, what is he asking you to do? Place your faith in him. This, place faith in what? Place your faith in what God has done on the cross for you and for me. That baby born in the dirt went and hung on a tree and broke free from a tomb and gave everything for us so that under that cross, every sin in our past, in our present, in our future is covered and paid for forever under the blood of Jesus. And all we have to do is give God the dark and he gives us light in the darkness. And all we have to do is give God the dirt. And in that dirt, he grows beautiful things. He gives new life where everything was dead. And it's a reminder to all of us that everyone and everything can be redeemed. No one, no one lives outside of God's love. No one does. And there's no place in our lives, no matter how low it gets, that God is not afraid to meet us right where we are. It's too dark, it's too dirty. He didn't, no, 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 no. That's the lesson of the birth of Jesus. The dark, the dirt, the helplessness, that's where he comes to meet us. He's not above us, just up there, right? He's not against us. He's with us. He's with us through it all, and he's come to meet us. And just a reminder that Christmas is not what we give each other. It's not about even what we get. It's about what we needed. And every single person hearing my voice needs to have hope, needs to be loved, truly and needs to be forgiven and needs to be redeemed and needs to live the life they were meant to live. And the only way we do that is to unwrap the gift that we all needed more than we ever knew, and that's Jesus. So let me pray for us, and we're gonna keep rolling here. Father, we just come to you and I pray for people right now who need some encouragement, who need some hope, that we can be reminded that in the dark, in the dirt, in the helplessness, in our vulnerability, that's exactly where you come to us and begin your greatest work. We thank you that you bring your light to our darkness. We thank you that you take our dirt and you grow something new. Father, thank you that there is always hope because of Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.